Play and Review, Tim Speaking to the Blind, celebrating 40 years of audio newspaper production. Welcome to this week's edition of the Cutting Hill Herald Podcast, recorded at the Bishop Wright's Media Centre by our amazing volunteers. You can get in touch with us via Facebook, Twitter or Instagram using at Tune Review. That is at symbol C-U-E-A-N-E-R-E-V-I-E-W. You can also contact us directly by emailing information at tunereview.com. That is I-N-F-O-R-M-A-T-I-O-N at symbol C-U-E-A-N-E-R-E-V-I-E-W dot C-O-M. Or by calling 0141-772-3976. That's 0141-772-3976. Wednesday the 23rd of August 2023, this week's podcast is read to you by Alan, Corey, Hunter and Ian. Areas house prices rising. House prices increased slightly by 0.1% in Eastern Bartonshire in June, new figures show. But the rise has not reversed the longer term trend which has seen property prices in the area suffer a 0.7% annual decline. The average Eastern Bartonshire house price in June was £258,025. Land registry figures show a 0.1% increase on May. Over the month, the picture was similar to that across Scotland, where prices decreased 0.4%, but Eastern Bartonshire was lower than the 0.7% rise for the UK as a whole. Over the last year, the average sale price of property in Eastern Bartonshire fell by £1,800, putting the area 19th among Scotland's 32 local authorities with price data for annual growth. The highest annual growth in the region was in East Lothian, where property prices increased on average by 16% to £339,000. At the other end of the scale, properties in the Orkney Islands lost 15.5% of their value giving an average price of £193,000. First-time buyers in Eastern Bartonshire spent an average of £190,640 on their property, £920 less than a year ago, but £35,510 more than in June 2018. By comparison, former owner-occupiers paid £307,460 on average in June, 61.3% more than first-time buyers. Owners of terraced houses saw the biggest rise in property prices in Eastern Bartonshire in June. They increased 0.5% to £193,552 on average. Among other types of property, detached, down 0.2% monthly, down 0.8% annually, £464,000 £871 average, semi-detached, up 0.1% monthly, down 1.1% annually, £268,718 average, flats, up 0.1% monthly, down 0.7% annually, £137,145 average. So, how do property prices in Eastern Bartonshire compare? Buyers paid 36.2% more than the average price in Scotland in the £189,000 in June for a property in Eastern Bartonshire. 
Across Scotland, property prices are low compared to those across the UK, where the average cost is £288,000. The most expensive properties in Scotland were in East Lothian, £339,000 on average, and 1.3 times the price as in Eastern Bartonshire. East Lothian properties cost 2.7 times the price as homes in East Ayrshire, £123,000 average, at the other end of the scale. The highest property prices across the UK were in Kensington and Chelsea, with an average price of £1.3 million. And that article was read to you by me, Ian McKenna. This Week in History August 24, 2006 The International Astronomical Union, IAU, redefined the term planet such that Pluto was then considered a dwarf planet. On this day last year, Thames Water, which supplies 15 million people, put a hosepipe ban into place. August 25, 1978, the Shroud of Turin went on show for the first time on the High Altar at St John's Cathedral in Turin. August 26, 1936, the BBC transmitted the first high-definition television pictures introduced by its announcer, Leslie Mitchell. More than 7,000 people queued to see the pictures from Alexander Palace on sets at the Olympia radio show. On this day last year, the Duke of Sussex rode to victory in an annual charity polo tournament in Aspen, Colorado, with commentators praising his superstar play. August 27, 1966 Francis Chichester left Plymouth in Gypsy Moth 4 on his single-handed voyage around the world. On this day last year, the Prince of Wales edited an edition of British African Caribbean newspaper, The Voice, featuring interviews with Baroness Doreen Lawrence and Idris Elba to mark its 40th anniversary. August 28, 1988 33 people died when three Italian Air Force jets collided during an aerobatics display at Ramstein in western Germany. August 29, 1930 The Reverend William Spooner, who gave the world Spoonerisms, died. Festival fun is this week. The countdown is all but over for this weekend's Kirkintilloch Canal Festival. Now the only thing left to do is go full steam ahead for a swashbuckling festival of music, magic, fireworks and family fun. Thousands are expected to converge on the town this Saturday and Sunday, August the 26th and 27th, for a celebration of all things nautical and nice. The festival takes place from 5pm to 10pm at South Bank Marina on Saturday, and things kick off on Sunday from noon to 5pm at the Marina Cowgate, Townhead and Barley Bank. Council leader Gordon Lowe told the Herald, It's full steam ahead and we have an exciting weekend to look forward to. We've been working hard to arrange a variety of attractions, including many which are free of charge. The festival regularly attracts thousands of people to the area, boosting the local economy and acting as a showcase for everything the area has to offer. We hope you enjoy the 2023 Kirkintilla Canal Festival and look forward to welcoming you. 
On Saturday, there will be a DJ and compare from 5pm and a free live music concert from 7pm featuring the Papa Mo Band, Sisters of Soul Scotland and the Glasgow African Balafon Orchestra. That will be followed by fireworks and music from 9.45pm and keep your eyes peeled for the Pirate Street Theatre. In addition, on Saturday, the Spirit of Alba Festival is taking place at Kirkintilloch Town Hall with two sessions available from noon to 3pm or 4pm to 7pm. Tickets for this should be bought in advance. There will also be activities in the week leading up to the festival. Thursday evening, August the 24th, sees a free heritage walk leaving from Barley Bank at 6.30pm for which you can book your pace online. There are also fun-free silent walking discos throughout the Sunday. In general, there is a strong emphasis on free activities and attractions at this year's festival, including a free Saturday evening concert and fireworks from 7pm, with the Sunday also seeing classic cars, canoeing, archery, live music, street theatre, magician and more. A handy event guide can be viewed at easternbarton.gov.uk forward slash canal festival. Plan for canals as recorded by Hunter MacDonald. Scottish Canals has unveiled its vision for the organisation over the next five years and in putting together its corporate plan for 2023 to 28. It asked for input from the public. For the first time in the organisation's history, the plan has been guided by the public through consultation in a bid to create a lasting benefit for people and communities. John Patterson, Chief Executive of Scottish Canals, said four main themes will steer the strategy, including explore and experience, places and spaces, canals for the future, and people and business. As leaders in managing inland waterways, the organisation will prioritise the sustainable use of canals, canal side land and properties for the best value for the people of Scotland. Details of the corporate plan can be found at scottishcanals.co.uk Funding support for advice groups Three Easter Bartonshire organisations have benefited from a new £1 million Scottish Government fund. Set up to help people struggling to manage their household finances, the Accessible Advice Fund has helped 50 organisations across the country. Here, Kirkintilloch Baptist Church, Hillhead Housing Association and Eastern Bartonshire Food Bank received a share of the money to support those in need. And that has been welcomed by Strathkelvin Bearsden MSP Rona Mackay. She told the Herald this is great news. We know that early access to advice can make a dramatic difference to people's financial situation and prevent issues including debt escalating. Projects to benefit included those with a focus on families, including disabled or single parents, those caring for the disabled person and parents from minority ethnic communities. 
The fund will build on the success of the Welfare Advice and Health Partnerships initiative that put dedicated advisors into 180 GP practices in some of Scotland's most deprived and rural areas. Housing Minister Paul McLennan added, The cost of living crisis is putting many households across Scotland under huge strain. Advice services play an increasingly critical role by helping people to access support and benefits they may be entitled to, as well as helping them to understand their rights. This funding provides support, income maximisation, welfare and debt advice services. Region suffering as a result of calamitous Brexit vote. The economic chaos of Brexit has made Scots poorer. That's the stance of Amy Callaghan, who this week laid bare the impact of the 2016 referendum on Eastern Bartonshire. The SNP MP said the Tory, Labour and Lib Dem approach to Brexit has left voters across this region poorer. Her criticism comes as the SNP obtained figures from the House of Commons Library, which shows the huge losses Scotland has felt on EU imports and exports since Brexit, as well as the decimation of direct EU funding. The analysis reveals that, since leaving the EU, exports from the local region to the European Union are down to £407 million, while imports are down by £254 million. Ms Callaghan told the Herald, People in Eastern Bartonshire and across Scotland can feel the calamitous impact of Brexit, whether through the loss of trade opportunities or the loss of funding coming in from the EU. Yet the Tories, pro-Brexit Labour Party and even the Lib Dems have decided to stick their heads in the sand and ignore the writing on the wall that Brexit has been a failure and that Scotland is poorer for leaving the EU's single market. Whilst the cost of living crisis continues to ravage on and the three Westminster, Westminster parties squabble over sticking plasters to fix the economic chaos, the SNP is the only party focused on supporting communities across Scotland and lifting people out of poverty. As the next general election, at the next general election, voting SNP will mean rejecting the failures of Brexit, tackling the cost of living crisis, and rejoining the world's largest single market with EU membership. The EU referendum took place on June 23, 2016, with pro-Brexiteers promising it would give Britain more control over its future, with better trade deals improving export opportunities and reducing a perceived reliance on imported goods. The referendum resulted in a 51.9% vote in favour of leaving the EU, although Scotland voted unanimously against Brexit. Indeed, 62% of Scots voted against Brexit, with 55.8% of Northern Irish also voting against it. However, England, 53.4%, and Wales, 52.5%, voted in favour of it. Read by Alan Todd. Thousands out of work. More than 15,000 people in Eastern Bartonshire were classed as economically inactive as of March, new figures show. The latest labour market data has led to condemnation of government policy from opposition political parties. Estimates from the Office for National Statistics show 15,208 people aged 16 to 64 in Eastern Bartonshire were classed as economically inactive as of March, defined as out of work and not recently searching for a job. This was the equivalent of 23.7% of people in that age bracket 
in the area, up from 23.2% a year before. The figures further show 1,272 were claiming unemployment-related benefits in Eastern Bartonshire, which include universal credit and job seekers allowance. This gives the area a claimant rate of 2%. Nationally, the figures have shown unemployment has increased, while rising in wages have been eaten up by inflation. Listed estimates suggest that around 2.5 million people were economically inactive due to long-term sickness as of June, up 400,000 from before the coronavirus pandemic. The ONS said regular pay growth, which excludes bonuses, reached 7.8% in June. This is the highest regular annual growth rate we have seen since comparable records began in 2001, a spokesperson said. But inflation ate away all this growth, with consumer prices index inflation taking into account pay actually dropped by 0.6%. The ONS Director of Economic Statistics, Darren Morgan, said there were some reasons to be positive. He said, Earnings continue to grow in cash terms, with basic pay growing at its fastest since current records began. Coupled with lower inflation, this means the position on people's real pay is recovering and now looks a bit better than a few months back, he added. But Shadow Working Pension Secretary Jonathan Ashworth said, These figures confirm once again that the Tories are failing working people and businesses across Britain. Families are struggling to get by. There are record numbers of people out of work due to long-term sickness and the employment rate for over 50s is still below pre-pandemic levels. Yet, Tory ministers have no solutions to get people back to work. The Liberal Democrats also said this data will be cold comfort to hard-up families. Chancellor Jeremy Hunt said, Thanks to the action we've taken in the jobs market, it's good to see a record number of employees. Our ambitious reforms will make work pay and help even more people into work, including by expanding free childcare next year, helping to deliver on our priority to grow the economy, he added. The area's MP, Amy Callaghan, told the Herald, These trends are seen across the UK as a result of economic mismanagement from Westminster. Not to mention, of course, the direct impact Brexit is having in the economy. We urgently need Westminster to wake up and introduce meaningful cost of living support and to rebuild bridges with our neighbours in the European Union. Failure to do so leaves workers in Eastern Bartonshire and across the UK concerned about what could be around the corner. Staff unite over strikes. Essential education and early year staff will go on strike for two days next month over an ongoing pay dispute. That was the message from the GMB union after its members agreed to take strike action, which will see members join colleagues from sister unions in taking to the picket line. We told you previously how Unite staff at Eastern Bartonshire facilities would join members from nine other council areas after balloting for action. The development follows talks with council body COSLA, where no improved pay offer was put on the table. Keir Greenaway from GMB Scotland told the Herald, The latest figures show that, despite rising wages, pay is still being outstripped by inflation. The pay offer to council workers does not come close to matching the surging cost of living and one that is worth less with every month that passes. The current 5% offer for 2023 was rejected by 84% in a consultative ballot 
held by Unite in May, with the current rate of broader inflation, RPI, standing at 10.7%. The action will see thousands of workers, including janitors, cleaners, caterers, classroom assistants and admin staff, strike, despite Cosla saying it was raising the local government living wage by 99p to £11.84 per hour. Mr Greenaway added, Scotland stands on the shoulders of our local authority workers and the value of their work must be reflected in their salaries. Cosla has refused to seriously engage with our members during what has been a protracted, frustrating process. If they had, parents and pupils would not now be facing disruption. Cosla and Scottish ministers need to engage now or risk turning a crisis into a calamity. Industrial action involving the staff, which does not include teachers, will take place on September the 13th and 14th. The other council areas affected are Argyll and Butte, Clackmannanshire, Comherley Nanny Island CR, Dundee, East Renfrewshire, Fife, Glasgow City, Inverclyde and Orkney. Cosla say their offer compared favourably to other sectors. Support for Long Covid People suffering from Long Covid are to have access to a new specialist service. That's thanks to NHS Greater Glasgow and Clyde, who have launched a support package for those affected by long-term impacts of coronavirus. The Long Covid service will provide a holistic approach to tackling the impact of the condition on people, providing interventions, guidance and tools for patients to live well with their symptoms after the initial COVID infection. And patients will also be given access to a range of specialists. Fiona Smith, Director of Allied Health Professionals, said the Health Board were committed to providing the best possible patient care. She told the Herald, The long COVID service is a huge step forward in supporting people who are impacted by the longer-lasting effects of the disease. Living with long COVID can be extremely challenging and the service aims to provide support for patients and their families to ensure they have access to the best resources to support recovery and improve the quality of their lives. Administrative support, advanced practice occupational therapists, advanced practice physiotherapists and healthcare support staff will all be in hand to offer advice on managing and improving the symptoms of the condition for children, young people and adults who have been diagnosed with the, by their GP as having long COVID. The most common symptoms of long COVID include fatigue, breathlessness or short of breath, loss of smell and muscle aches. However, other symptoms include problems with memory and concentration, chest pain or tightness, difficulty in sleeping, heart palpitations, pins and needles and joint pain, to name a few. During its three months trial launch, the service has already had 340 referrals where it has been able to support individuals with varying needs and symptoms in relation to the condition. Service user Caitlin Hamlet praised the specialist team. She told us, Living with the symptoms of long COVID can be extremely difficult and exhausting. The service has provided a lifeline in my rehabilitation, both physically and mentally. The compassion and knowledge of the staff have given me clear direction for managing my symptoms and the path to recovery, 
and I am extremely grateful for all the help I have received. I would urge anyone who is living with long COVID to reach out to their GP who can refer you to the service where you will be able to connect with others in a similar position to you. I would like to thank all the staff at NHS Greater Glasgow and Clyde and the Individual Health and Care Social Partnerships for their help and assistance in the development of the service. Ms Smith thanks staff in the Individual Health and Care Social Partnerships for pulling together the service. For more information on the Long Covid services and how you can access help, please visit nhsgcc.scot. Meanwhile, Scotland's National Clinical Director has said he is concerned about winter and with a summer upswing in Covid cases. 200 people were admitted to hospital with the virus last week and earlier this month, an offshoot of the Omicron strain dubbed Iris was classified by the World Health Organisation as a variant of interest. Professor Jason Leach urged eligible people to get vaccinated when the programme starts and stressed the importance of not mixing with others when ill. Safety first for singer. An up-and-coming Easter Barcher singer has gone for safety first with the release of her second single, Lifeguard. And it's safe to say it's likely to be another hit for Kirstine Harvey as she continues to grow her fan base and stock. In July, Kirstine released One More Day, the first song from her soon-to-be-released debut EP. It came on the back of a social media boom which started in February. That saw 33,000 new TikTok fans almost overnight, with praise and approval from some stalwarts of the Scottish music scene including Marty Pello, Amy MacDonald and Noah Cahan. Some of her videos were even reposted by Man of the Moment Lewis Capaldi. The 24-year-old artist's upcoming EP is due to be released in December and the second single from it will be released next Friday, August 25th. The former Douglas Academy pupil said on her socials, I am so excited for this one and cannot wait for you all to hear it. I started recording it in July 2022 and wrote it a few days before going into the studio, so it's a rather spontaneous addition that I'm very happy with. The visuals for Lifeguard were filmed at Gurok Outdoor Pool by her wee sister Jessica, also a former Douglas Academy pupil. One more day sparked a hive of activity for the artist, who has been backed by the likes of Michelle McManus and Roddy Hart on BBC Scotland. The song itself reached number two in the singer-songwriter iTunes charts, with a self-shot music video with Jessica following the song's release. She also appeared on Cam Glen Radio, where she performed a live set. And her efforts to reach the top show no signs of slowing down. The day after Lifeguard is released, Kirstine will be playing Sneaky Pete's in Edinburgh, alongside artist Kitty as part of the Central Belters show, which showcases new Scottish acts. That follows a sold-out show at the Hug and Pint in Glasgow's West End, and the old hairdresser speakeasy in the city centre. She will soon be announcing her own headline show for December, for more on Lifeguard, head to kirstineharvey.ffm.to forward slash lifeguard. 
Rail travel can be inspiring. ScotRail is launching a new campaign to encourage more people to choose rail when planning days away in Scotland. Go by train will allow people to use the train operator's new inspiration hub, an exciting online resource with hundreds of ideas for things to do, upcoming events, discounts and offers for all within easy reach of more than 300 train stations across Scotland. Whether people are looking for an outdoors adventure, a new dog walk, some history and culture, or a way to entertain the kids, the ScotRail Inspiration Hub can help to make it happen. Jam-packed with hundreds of ideas, all showing the nearest train station, details on train tickets and other information, the Hub aims to make it as easy as possible to help plan an exciting day trip or short break in Scotland. The national advertising campaign, which centres around a TV advert, is on screen now. To find out more, head to scotrail.co.uk forward slash inspiration dash hub. Apply early for best start grant in boom months. Families have been urged to apply at the earliest opportunity for Best Start Grant Pregnancy and Baby Payment in Scotland's Baby Boom Months. Figures from National Records Scotland showed that August, September and October produced the highest number of births per month in 2022. There were more than 4,000 babies born in each of these months last year against an overall monthly average of 3,882. Cabinet Secretary for Social Justice Shirley Ann Somerville wants to encourage families expecting a new arrival to make sure they are getting all help available to them. It comes as Social Security Scotland launches a new digital marketing campaign to raise awareness of the payment. Pregnancy and baby payment which is £707.25 for first children and £353.65 for subsequent births is the first Scottish Government benefit many people apply for. There is no cap on the number of children a family can receive pregnancy and baby payments for, if eligible. Shirley Ann said, We want eligible families to apply as early as possible for Best Start Grant Pregnancy and Baby Payment and become aware of the range of support which may be available. The payment for a first child is more than £700 at a time of high inflation, with the costs of buying food and clothes and all the other things which come with looking after a newborn. There's no cap on this benefit. Every eligible family can get a Best Start grant for every child they have. Our package of five family payments, Scottish Child Payment, Best Start Foods and the three Best Start Grants can be worth around £10,000 by the time a child turns 6 and more than £20,000 by the time they turn 16. Best Start Grant Pregnancy and Baby Payment helps with the cost of having a baby and can be applied for from the end of the 24th week of pregnancy until a baby turns 6 months old. People who have taken over looking after a child, including those who have adopted, can apply up to the day before the child's first birthday. For more information, visit www.mygov.scot forward slash 
space dash start dash grant dash based start dash foods. Moonwalk deadline. There's still time to don your bra and sign up for the Moonwalk Scotland 2023. However, readers better act fast as entries close at midday on Tuesday, August 29th. Organised by breast cancer charity Walk the Walk, the event, cha- the event starts and finishes in Holyrood Park, Edinburgh, kicking off at 9pm on Saturday, September 9th and closing at 1pm the following day. Thousands of women and men wearing brightly decorated bras will be walking a half or full marathon overnight through the streets of the capital. Buildings in the city will be lighting up pink in support of the moonwalk, including Camera Obscura, Lloyd's on the Mound, the Royal Society of Edinburgh and the Radisson Blue Hotel. Walkers can also take on their challenges virtually in their own areas. To sign up today, visit the Walk the Walk website. Sheer scale of online child abuse is revealed. More than 3,500 online grooming crimes have been recorded by Police Scotland while children have been waiting for online safety laws. Data from Police Scotland shows 593 communicating indecently with with a child offences were recorded last year. Research by the NSPCC shows that in Scotland, 1,873 offences took place against primary school children, with under-13s making up more than half of victims. Analysis of the scale of child sexual abuse taking place on social media comes ahead of MPs and Lords making final decisions on the online safety bill next month. The NSPCC first called for social media regulation to protect children from sexual abuse in 2017 and has been campaigning for robust legislation ever since. The charity said the number of offences is likely to be far higher than those known to police. In response, they are urging politicians on all sides to support the bill in its final stages and pass this vital legislation. Aoife, 19, from East Kilbride, was exploited online when she was 15 by an adult male who pretended to be a teenager. The man convinced her to send him images of herself and blackmailed her with those, with these to control her behaviour. When his demands became increasingly intense and frightening, Aoife plucked up the courage to tell her mum and teachers, who helped them to report it to the police. Aoife said, When I found out I'd been talking to an older man, I was petrified. I remember it was 3am and I was sitting in my room just shaking. I felt like I was the only person in the world and started crying. I wanted my mum and while she was just in the room next door, I thought I couldn't tell her because it's so embarrassing. All I wanted was a hug from her. A draft online safety bill was published over two years ago, but regulation was first promised in 2018 following the NSPCC's call for action and the launch of its Wild West web campaign. The charity has been campaigning for strong legislation ever since, working closely with survivors, government, parliamentarians and other civil society groups to ensure it effectively tackles the way social media and gaming sites contribute to child sexual abuse. The legislation will mean tech companies have a legal duty of care for young users and must assess their products for child abuse risks and put mitigations in place to protect children. It will give the regulator Ofcom powers to address significant abuse taking place in private messaging and require companies to put safeguards in place.
Sir Peter Wanless, NSPCC Chief Executive, said, The research highlights the sheer scale of child abuse happening on social media. The number of offences must serve as a reminder of why the online safety bill is so important and why the groundbreaking protections it will give children are desperately needed. It's now up to tech firms, including those highlighted by these figures, to make sure their sites and future services do not put children at unacceptable risk of abuse. The charity is asking readers to reach out to MPs to find out more. Visit the NSPCC website. Family Announcements Deaths Moral Eleanor Eleanor passed away peacefully at Glasgow Royal Infirmary on August 11th, 2023, aged 89 years. Loving wife of the late Jack, much-loved mum to Ian, Gillian and Leslie, and mother-in-law to Indy, Ian and George. Cherished gran and great-gran, and much-loved aunt, cousin and dear friend to many. Many thanks to the staff at Marie Curie and Glasgow Royal Infirmary. Funeral service to take place at Dowie Crematorium on Monday, August 28th at 10am. No flowers. Andrew Whale, 25th of November 1940 to the 18th of August 2023. Following a short illness, we are saddened to advise of the passing of Andrew Whale, husband to Margaret, father to Stephen and Matthew. But to those of us at Kuhn Review Print Speaking to the Blind, Andrew was a mainstay of our reading team. Born in London and the former Director of Library Services at the University of Glasgow, it was his membership of Campsie Parish Church and wider church community that meant he and Margaret could ensure local people living with sight loss heard about our daily talking newspaper podcasts. Moore Mackay, our former Director of Operations, said today, his command of language and lovely voice was a joy for me and our listeners. Moreg went on to say that she valued his unfailing willingness to help, his constant courtesy and patience with her, This must have been a real trial at times. Over lockdown, he learned a raft of new skills to keep the service going. Alistair McPhee, our managing editor, said, While our volunteer readers are now loving the convenience of reading from home, one of my biggest regrets is not seeing team members in person each week. The friendship that Margaret and then Andrew offered me over many years will not be forgotten. Andrew was the newbie reader of the Whale family team, and I especially loved the interactions between Margaret and Andrew in the studio corridor. Margaret being the boss, and passing on her digital recording and microphone technique to her apprentice, Andrew. Margaret would usually finish first, meaning I got to spend time with her for a coffee and a blether until Andrew came out of the studio never understanding why Margaret always finished first. Far be it from me to imply that the boss had got him to do the longer articles, or even worse, the more complicated names. 
Obviously, far more likely was that Margaret's years of experience as an English teacher before joining around 20 years ago as a key team member was the real reason. Over 10 years ago, when we were looking for voices to record the members' magazine for the charity English Heritage, there was only one team that Morag was going to approach to be the core of the project. We so appreciated their commitment, ensuring there were no mistakes and little editing to be done. Andrew was one of the first team members to sign up as lockdown started to record from home. Andrew and Margaret joined Roddy, our lockdown producer, in learning yet more digital recording techniques through online training sessions. With Andrew's passing, Margaret has indicated that she will also retire a sentiment we understand and appreciate. Our listeners and your colleagues will miss you both. Forum demands action to tackle this emergency. Scotland has made an inadequate response to the ongoing public health emergency and now faces the emerging threat of a drug supply containing new synthetic opioids. That's the view of the Scottish Drugs Forum, which is demanding the urgent implementation of a full range of evidence-based practice and policy now, according to the forum, it is evident that Scotland needs to adopt the practice and policy measures developed in other countries to address the issues we now face and, without further delay, must implement an emergency plan. The forum is calling for the government to support positive health-focused engagement with people who use drugs through a process of decriminalisation of the possession of drugs for personal use to monitor changes in drug supply, including dangerous synthetic opioids, and ensure people involved in drug use know the risks, ensure people experiencing drug problems and using drugs in street-based environments have immediate support in case of an overdose, and to ensure people most vulnerable to fatal overdose involving opiates, the vast majority of fatal overdoses in Scotland, are able to access effective means to prevent death in the event of overdose through maximising Scotland's national naloxone programme. According to the forum, this is not a campaign. It is not asking people or organisations to commit to supporting its views. It regards the statements to be self-evidently true and to represent both the rational response to the challenge Scotland faces and the broad consensus on what should be done. Kirsten Horsborough the forum CEO said, We are now well beyond the need for urgent action. The emergency demands action now and by all means possible. There can be no further delays. Everyone seems to know that Scotland has an astonishing rate of drug-related deaths and that was before we saw this emerging trend of new synthetic opioids within the heroin supply. Alarm bells should be ringing all over government and all through the, tre- the treatment and support services because we are not prepared. In truth, we all know exactly what the evidence tells us we should be doing. The question is, do we have the collective will to implement the necessary change? Talking on behalf of SDF, we will continue to work to reduce drug deaths and advocate for and with people who are vulnerable to these preventable deaths. We are well positioned to contribute to and support the implementation of change and we restate our commitment to doing so. SDF is ensuring that the insight of people experiencing drug problems influences the development of policy, practice and service development. 
We are working to develop and diversify the workforce. We have contributed substantially to the implementation and expansion of the National Naloxone Programme. We are fighting to keep funding for harm reduction posts in our own organisation and elsewhere. There is some progress, but the only real measures are both a substantial reduction in deaths and a sustained process of improvement in Scotland's wider response. We have a long, long way to go. The Kirkintalloch and Bishopbriggs Herald Letters page. Let's talk. Please send your letters via email to kirkyherald at jnscotland.co.uk and write letters in the subject field. Please keep letters to a maximum of 300 words. Letters cannot be published without a name and postal address. Also include a daytime phone number if possible. We reserve the right to edit any letter. Ice cold about Alex and Alba. Sir, Alex Salmon talks up himself and his Alba party as if they were of great moment. Salmon's new show, Scotland Speaks, available on social media, is typical of his chutzpah. He doesn't represent Scotland in any measurable sense. His party has failed to win so much as a local council seat and its two MPs were elected as SNP MPs and then defected. Now, we're told that Salmon is to address the Centre for UN Studies on the road to Scottish independence. What else? Doesn't that sound impressive? But this centre isn't a part of the United Nations. It is a research centre at the independent, aka private, University of Buckingham. Not the kind of institution the SNP would wish to be associated with. Full march to Alba for its propaganda effort, elevating Salmon to the status of a national figure, which, of course, he used to be, but is no more. But the SNP has rebuffed its attempts to create a united separatist front for forthcoming elections, no doubt in the hope that the renegade MPs Kenny McCaskill and Neil Hanvey can have their seats saved through a pact. I think we can be confident that all the talking up will count for naught, and that after the Rutherglen and Hamilton West by-election, followed by a general election, Alba will emerge without a parliamentary representative. Yours, etc. Jill Stevenson, by email. Smell that good old nutty slack. Sir, doubtless the echo Luddites of Scotland against Spin squealed with glee at the news of a wind turbine offshore of Norfolk caught fire and are sharpening their best crayons described as its final proof that wind power is dangerous. After all, we all know that nuclear power is far safer. Just ask the residents of Three Mile Island, Chernobyl, Fukushima, etc. Never mind, it's always lovely fossil fuels, safe as houses, as the residents of Aberfan, Benixu, Soma, Sorange, Kaichung, Guadalajara, etc. will confirm. Not to mention those 12,000 happy customers in London in 1952 who didn't mind at all a bit of sulfur dioxide asphyxiation with their nutty slack. Yours etc. Mark Boyle, address supplied. Tech box exercise. Sir, the Scottish Government consultation about a proposed eye-watering increase in council tax for bands E to H is a usual tick-box exercise. Many old houses are in the higher tax bands, but those properties are the ones which cost more in maintenance and heating 
and they're often much-loved family homes which people do not want to leave in their old age. Why should they be driven out of their homes by excessive council tax charges when they're already struggling to exist in their pensions? In rural areas, we don't even have the services which most people take for granted. Our roads are not maintained and are the last to get cleared and gritted. Bin collection is often a hit or miss affair and can involve a long haul to the pick-up point. Every part of rural Scotland is currently being decimated by wind farms, commercial solar parks, giant pylons and other industrial paraphernalia, resulting in many properties suffering a decrease in value or, at worst, rendering them completely unsellable. Any property affected by these obscene developments should have its council tax ban reduced, not increased. Yours, etc. Eileen Jackson, by email. The ladies varnish, sir, so that goat alone we don't need the Tories census, cost the Scottish taxpayer £140 million. What's all the fuss for? The country's awash with money, so much so that civil servants can afford to buy nail polish and paper aeroplanes, and when they're skinned they'll just get more money from you and me. The stroke of a pen raises their taxes and all for a good cause, yoga lessons for example. Let's not be too hard on them. They're really good at what they do. Squandering our money, that is. Yours, etc. Ian Balloch, by email. Ferry or Ferrail? Sir, as a lover of the French language and a concerned observer of the Scottish political scene, there is something I feel I must report. The French word, Ferrail, one can be excused for thinking it means fairy, but it doesn't. It means scrap metal. Isn't that a coincidence? Yours, etc. Andrew H.N. Gray, Address Supplied. Samantha speaks up for night walks. Samantha Curry has been chosen as the voice of Cancer Research UK's Shine Night Walk events. The mum of two who was diagnosed with breast cancer just months after her 40th birthday, has shared her story in a new pre-recorded montage, which will be played on stage before participants set off on the charity's 10k illuminating nighttime fundraising walks. Her words will be heard at events across Scotland, England, Northern Ireland and Wales. Entries are open now for Shine Night Walk Glasgow on Saturday, September the 2nd, which starts from the ACC at 8pm, and on Saturday, September the 30th, Shine Night Walk Edinburgh will start from the Scottish National Gallery on the mound at 7pm. People of all abilities are welcome to step up and take part in the fun and inspirational parades of light, which will pass some of the city's most famous landmarks. Samantha's story is one of five audio recordings from cancer survivors, which will be played at 17 Shine Night Walk events across the UK. A teacher at Alva Primary School, she discovered a lump in her right breast in October 2021. After contacting her GP, she was referred for a mammogram, ultrasound and biopsy. Samantha was told she had triple negative breast cancer that had spread to her lymph nodes. In August that year, she had celebrated her 40th birthday with her husband John and children, Emma, 14, and Tom, 3. Now she was facing months of treatment, including chemotherapy, every three weeks, surgery and radiotherapy. She started a Facebook group to help support other people 
and, in June 2022, rang the bell to mark the end of her own treatment. Samantha said, I hope that sharing my story will help inspire people to sign up for the Shine Night Walk. It's not about being first across the finish line. Everyone can take part at their own pace. There really is no better motivation than knowing you're helping to save lives. Cancer took a lot from me, but it never took my voice. I gained some of that control back for the first time when I shared my story. Now I'm in remission, back at work and life is good. I can't thank my family enough for their love, support and faith in me. And I will be forever grateful to everyone who is passionate about helping raise funds for life-saving research. Last year, Cancer Research UK was able to spend more than £33 million in Scotland. Shine Night Walk participants can choose to raise money for the area of research closest to their hearts. Lisa Adams, Cancer Research UK spokeswoman for Scotland, said, It's thanks to the generosity of our supporters that we've helped double cancer survival in the UK in the last 50 years. But, with around 34,100 people diagnosed with cancer each year in Scotland, we are not stopping now. That's why we hope people will pull on their trainers and experience a special opportunity to shine a light for loved ones lost to cancer or to celebrate the lives of those who have survived. Anyone who signs up between August 21st and 28th can claim a 30% discount by using the code SNWAUG23. To enter or volunteer, visit shinewalk.org. Have your say on future spending. Scottish water customers are being given the chance to have their say in how a record amount of investment in Scotland's water and waste water networks should be spent. The publicly owned organisation is holding its annual consultative meetings on Tuesday, August 29th and is inviting its customers to attend. Senior leaders, including new Chief Executive Alex Plant and Chairwoman Dame Susan Rice, will highlight successes and challenges the company face in delivering higher quality services to its 5 million customers. They will also give updates on how the organisations performed in the last year in terms of water quality, progressing towards its net zero targets and doing more to protect coastal environments. Future plans will be discussed, including introducing innovative new treatment methods and deploying new technology. Alex who joined Scottish Water in June from Anglian Water, said, Scottish Water invested a record £886 million in the last financial year and continued to perform well, despite many challenges. Looking ahead, we are all too aware that we need to adapt to a rapidly changing climate and to do so, we must increase the rate of replacement in our ageing water and wastewater assets. We want to ensure we do the right thing for our customers and for our precious environment. Scottish Water will be live streaming the meeting at www.youtube.com forward slash Scottish Water Film. To ask a question or to register to attend between 5.15 and 6.45pm in Novotel Edinburgh Park, visit the Scottish Water website. Land yourself a new job in forestry? Forestry and Land Scotland is encouraging people of all ages and backgrounds to take a look at the opportunities it can offer through its rolling national-wide recruitment drive. 
The call comes as part of a push to address a national skills and labour shortage in the forestry and land-based career sector. FLAS regularly advertises new roles and recently welcomed 49 new colleagues into the organisation, 11 foresters, 18 worksite supervisors and 20 forest craftspeople. A further 52 people who all passed the interview process are now on a reserve list and could be offered a role if suitable vacancies arise. A simplified application process, informal interviews, a range of locations across the country and opportunities for progression along a clear career path makes working in the forestry sector more attractive than ever. With entry routes to land-based careers open to school leavers, college and university graduates and people looking to make a career change, it's never been easier to throw your hat into the ring. Joe Ellis, FLS Head of Planning and Environment, said, Most people would be surprised at the sheer range and variety of roles that we have in our teams. Everyone who joins us finds out very quickly that they've signed up to a unique organisation and that they'll be working with dedicated, like-minded and supportive colleagues. We have a huge role and responsibility to deliver forests and land that Scotland can be proud of. We'd like to talk to anyone who thinks they can help us to do that. To find out more, visit www.forestryandland.gov.scot slash jobs. Tree planted for every £1 raised. More and more schools are signing up for the 5th International Just One Tree Day, taking place in Scotland on Friday, September 29th. Schools throughout the country and around the globe have already committed to participating in the non-uniform day that encourages children to bring in one pound to plant a tree and help reforest the planet. A tree is planted for every one pound raised. To date, over 200,000 children from 14 countries have joined together to plant over a quarter of a million trees, enabling just one tree to expand into more countries and become part of the UN Decade on Ecosystem Restoration. The day highlights to children how their individual actions can make a difference in the fight against climate change and the biodiversity crisis. It is the flagship event of Just One Tree, a British not-for-profit dedicated to removing CO2 from the atmosphere. Open to both primary and secondary schools, those taking part can access lesson resources that fit in with the national curriculum. As part of their fundraising activities, Children learn about photosynthesis, the benefits of trees for both people and wildlife, and the vital role they play in reducing the impacts of climate change. Event founder Amanda Bronkhorst said, Just One Tree Day was born out of my passion to make a difference, not only for my young daughter, but for the future of all children. It has resulted in over a quarter of a million trees planted by pupils, and I know that this year the children's forest can grow even bigger. School participation is doubly important because not only do they raise funds, the forest planted on their behalf helps compensate for a school's environmental impact. Many children today struggle with climate anxiety caused by the reality of our climate crisis. But just one tree day tells them that we can all make a difference with a simple action. By taking direct action, it spreads hope and positivity. The money raised supports reforestation projects in Brazil, Haiti, Indonesia, Kenya, Madagascar, Mozambique, 
Nepal and Zambia. Schools can sign up today at the Just One Tree website. 7,000 abused in less than two years. Scotland's shop worker protection law has been used 7,056 times in less than two years to report retail-specific cases of abuse or assault of staff and retailers. The Protection of Workers, Retail and Age-Restricted Goods and Services Scotland Act, which creates an offence of assaulting, threatening or abusing retail workers and provides for a statutory aggravation of that offence where the retail worker is enforcing a statutory age restriction, came into force in August 2021. The latest figures up to July 2023, provided by Police Scotland, include serious assaults, 37, common assaults, 3,066, and threats and abuse, 3,953. Scottish Grocers Federation has asked Police Scotland, the Scottish Government, Crown Office, and Procurator Fiscal Office to ensure the figures are reported frequently and provide data on referrals and convictions. District News General Wednesday the 23rd of August 2023 Horticultural Society Show Members recently enjoyed a visit to the well-kept gardens and grounds at Dumfries House and are now looking forward to our annual flower show in the small hall at St Mary's Church on Saturday, September the 2nd. Entry is free. Donations welcome. Certificates will be awarded to the best exhibit in each class. The hall will be open to exhibitors from 10am to noon, then closed for judging. It will reopen to the public from 2pm to 4pm. Schedules, with rules of entry and details of classes, are available from Calder's Garden Centre and the William Patrick Library, or online at our website, www.kirkintilaghorty.org.uk To find out more, contact Paul Malcolm on 0141 578 Heart of the Matter The Power of Prevention by Dr Frank Dunn Patients often describe their medical condition using phrases which can be misleading such as a I had a tiny TIA transient stroke, or a touch of angina or a minor heart scare. There can be a warning of something more serious and should be treated with the utmost respect. A close friend told me that twice recently he had very short-lasting loss of vision in one eye and speech difficulty. Everything settled, but in mentioning this to his GP, he was immediately dispatched to the hospital and found to have a marked narrowing in, in the artery going to the brain. He had surgery to relieve the narrowing two weeks later, resulting in a substantial reduction in the risk of a debilitating stroke. He will require to remain on medication on a lifelong basis, but this is a small price to pay. The doctors knew from clinical trials that this was the best treatment based on good evidence. Another friend had a mild episode of chest pain while walking, and tests revealed he had much more extensive narrowing in his coronary arteries than might have been expected from his symptoms. He had successful coronary bypass surgery. Cashing in on these apparently unimpressive warnings led to the likelihood of substantial increase in his longevity as well as preserving good quality of life. On occasions, there is no warning and the trauma of a sudden death is still very much with us. Sadly, 
We still do not have the answer to the most devastating of events. If you cannot predict, you cannot prevent. That said, there are a number of modifiable risk factors for cardiovascular events, including sudden cardiac death. High blood pressure has been referred to as the silent killer because in many patients it will not produce any symptoms. Regular blood pressure screening becomes important and hence the reason for a check at the GP surgery to reduce the chance of a heart attack or stroke. There are guidelines for checking cholesterol, blood sugar and other risk factors, including smoking. What appears to be a slight clinical episode can be a harbinger of some more serious events and a sound evidence guides the best treatment, whether it be conservative or surgical. Equally important are the medications and lifestyle measures which are driven by robust trial evidence resulting in benefits to patients. Regular health checks with your GP could save your life. Whiskey Exports The Scotch Whiskey Association, SWA, has released new figures demonstrating that exports in the first half of 2023 are continuing to deliver for the UK economy, as consumers drive the global trend for choosing higher quality products such as Scotch whisky, which, like other spirits, are served in lower volumes compared to alcohol, other alcohol categories. Data for H1 2023 shows that the value of Scotch whisky exports held steady when compared to the first half of 2022, a year in which the industry posted record exports as markets grew and restocked following the pandemic. Export value in H1 2023 was £2.57 billion, down just 3.6% in 2022. In the same period, the volume of exports fell by 20% to the equivalent of £630,070,000 bottles. This continues the global trend of consumers premiumising in the spirits category, trading up within the Scotch whisky industry to premium blended Scotch whisky, single malt and, increasingly, blended malt Scotch whisky. Consumers are drinking four, fewer units of alcohol, but premiumisation builds value in the UK economy through increased production, investment and exports, and benefits the domestic economies of export markets through excise tax and other costs. The United States remains Scotch whisky's biggest export market by value, while France reclaimed its longest-standing position as the largest export destination by volume. India remains a high-volume export market for Scotch whisky, with the equivalent of 72 million bottles exported in the first half of 2023. The Scotch Whisky Association continues to press the benefits to the industry of a UK-India FTA, addresses trade barriers including a 150% tariff, the phase removal of which would benefit industries in both the UK and India and could see the value of Scotch export to this vital market go to more than £1 billion within the next five years. Publishing the figures, the Scotch Whisky Association called on the UK government not to take the success of the Scotch whisky industry for granted following the recent 10.1% increase to excise duty and widening of the tax gap between spirits with beer and cider. Commenting on export figures in the first half of 2023, SWA Chief Executive Mark Kent said, 2022 was an exceptional year for Scotch whisky exports, breaking records in both value and volume. So, 
At the halfway point of 2023, it is encouraging that the industry is keeping pace with export value, continuing to deliver significant economic growth through production and investment in Scotland and across the UK. Around the world, we see the same trend, consumers drinking less overall and switching to higher quality spirits like Scotch whisky. Premiarisation in the spirits category didn't start during COVID-19, but the pandemic certainly accelerated the trend and it remains the case that consumers are trading up, enjoying premium spirits and consuming fewer units of alcohol. Scotch whisky remains well placed in the ben- to benefit from this shift, but the success of the Scotch whisky of the Scotch whisky cannot be taken for granted. The recent double-digit tax hike in Scotch whisky in the UK, the largest in 40 years, and, and the deepening of the competitive disadvantage faced by distillers versus other alcohol categories was a blow to the industry. The future potential growth of the industry in terms of exports, job creation and investment across Scotland and our UK supply chain is dependent on working in partnership with government. Growth at home and abroad, coupled with a supportive domestic regulatory environment, is also key to driving forward our sustainability strategy and achieving net zero. To deliver the platform for future growth in the short term means three priorities. Firstly, no further tax increase in the autumn budget. Second, agreement of a comprehensive free trade agreement with India which reduces the 150% tariff in Scotch whisky. Third, gearing regulation to support the industry to achieve its full potential. In supporting Scotch, the government is supporting a high quality, homegrown product which delivers more economic benefit per serve than any other alcohol category. New Banner celebrates 50 years. The Inner Wheel Club of Kirkintilloch planned a banner to celebrate 50 years of District 23 and the centenary of Inner Wheel in Great Britain and Northern Ireland in 2024. We engaged the help of Stitch Ed over the year and had an official handover recently while meeting for lunch with the ladies and some of our own members. We hope to use the banner to advertise Inner Wheel at events or fundraisers to promote our organisation locally. The Inner Wheel Club of Kirkintilloch meet at the Lindsay Golf Club, G66 5DA, at 6.15pm on the second Tuesday of each month, from September to June. We welcome new members. For further information, please contact iwsecretary.d23 at sign gmail.com Public Notices Planning Notices Eastern Bartonshire Council Public Notices Civic Government Brackets Scotland Act 1982 Application for Renewal of Street Trader Licence The undernoted has applied for the renewal of a street trader licence in terms of the above Act. Name and address of applicant Joseph Kevin Reed Maguire 2 Fossil Grove, Kirkintilloch, G66, 3SP. Address of Site Old Mill Park Industrial Estate, Kirkintilloch, alongside Fence at Howden's Joinery. 
goods to be traded in, hot and cold food and drinks. Days and times of trading. Monday to Sunday, 6am until 4pm. Any objections or representations in terms of paragraph 3 brackets 1 of Schedule 1 of the Act should be logged with the undernoted no later than 28 days from the publication date of the newspaper in which this advertisement appears. Deputy Chief Executive, Education, People and Business, Eastern Martinshire Council, 12 Strathkelvin Place, Kirkintilloch, G66, 1TJ. Civic Government Brackets Scotland Act 1982. Application for Renewal of Second Hand Dealer Licence. The undernoted has applied for the renewal of a second hand dealer licence in terms of the above Act. Name and address of applicant East Side Tyres Limited, 3C. Canal Street, Kirkintalk, G661QY. Day-to-day Manager, Graham Lang, 11 Hillcrest Road, Colsaith, G659EL. Premises, Eastside Tyres Limited, 3C, Canal Street, Kirkintalk. G661QY Trading days and hours of business Monday to Saturday 9.30am until 5pm Goods Second hand tyres Any objections or representations in terms of paragraph 3 brackets 1 of Schedule 1 of the Act should be logged with the undernoted no later than 28 days from the publication date of the newspaper in which this advertisement appears. Deputy Chief Executive, Education, People and Business, Eastern Martinshire Council, 12 Strathkelvin Place, Carkintilloch, G661TJ. Members' Surgeries Councillors' arrangements for interviewing residents. Ward 4, Bishopbriggs, North and Campsie and Torrance. Councillor Colette McDermott. 25th of August 2023, Lennox Town Hub, 12.30pm until 1pm. 1st of September 2023, Bishopbriggs Library, 12.30pm until 1pm. Between surgeries, counsellors can be contacted at the Members Support Unit on 0300 That phone number again is 0300 Planning Applications Format. Application number followed by address slash location, followed by proposal, followed by type of advert, followed by period of reps. TP slash ED slash 23 slash 0396. 
208 Kirkintilloch Road, Bishop Briggs, Eastern Bartonshire, G64 2NE. Replacement roof slates and replacement of rear facing roof light window. Section 65, affecting CA, 21 dates. The application plans and other documents can be viewed online through the Council's website. The current restrictions on non-essential office work associated with the coronavirus pandemic means that plans cannot be viewed in Council offices as normal. Written comments may be made within the above period to the Council through the Council's website or to the above address. Any representations will be treated as public documents and made available for inspection by interested parties and may also be published on the Council's website. The Eastern Bartonshire Council, Bearsden, Bishop Briggs, Kirkintilloch and Mulgai. Proposed Off-Street Parking Amendment Order. Notice is hereby given that the Eastern Bartonshire Council proposed to make a traffic regulation order, the main effect of which would be to amend the off-street parking order made in 2016 to remove the reference to pay and display tickets including vehicle registration numbers, and to include the provision that no ticket requires to be displayed for payments made by telephone, payment parking systems. Full details of this proposal, which forms the proposed the Eastern Bartonshire Council, brackets, Bears Den, Bishop Briggs, Kirkintilloch and Mogai, in brackets, off-street parking amendment order, together with a statement of reasons for proposing to make this order are available for inspection without payment of fee in the roads section of the Eastern Martinshire Council website. Telephone inquiries to 0300-123-4510. That phone number again is 0300-123-4510. Any person wishing to object to the proposal should send details of the grounds for objection in writing to the Chief Solicitor and Monitoring Officer, 12 Strathkelvin Place, Kirkintilk, G661TJ, or by email to legalservices at eastonbarton.gov.uk. That's legalservices at eastonbarton.gov.uk. UK, by Monday the 25th of September 2023. Karen Donnelly, Chief Solicitor and Monitoring Officer, 12 Strathkelvin Place, Kirkintilloch, G661 TJ. Ex-Pro Ewing's New Job at City. An article written by Brian Yule and read by me, Corey. Glasgow City has appointed Jamie Ewings as the club's new head of goalkeeping. The UEFA goalkeeper, a licensed coach, joins from St Mirren and will take charge of the City first team keepers, as well as leading the development of all goalkeepers throughout the academy. Ewings, a former Albion Rovers and Barton keeper, moved into coaching in 2017 and has worked with a number of sides, including Motherwell and Rangers, as well as the SFA, and also ran his own coaching academy. 
He said, I'm really looking forward to getting started with the club. It's a club notorious for being successful, and hopefully with my arrival, this continues to be the case. And we can push for even further. Hopefully I can have a positive influence not just on the first team goalkeepers, but throughout the club as a whole, to try and continue to make this the best club in Scotland at producing goalkeepers' talent within the women's game. City has signed England Under-23 international Charlotte Wardlaw on loan from Women's Super League champions Chelsea. The 20-year-old can play anywhere across the back line and, as a defensive midfielder, has captained England at various youth levels. Head coach Leanne Ross said, is someone who can play in a variety of defensive positions and play them very well, Charlotte will not only increase competition for places, but will also add to the strength and depth of our squad for the season ahead. City won 3-0 away to Partick Thistle on Sunday with goals from Hayley Lauder, Amy Muir and Lauren Davidson. Meanwhile, Rossville women kicked off the SWF Championship season with a 3-4 win at home to Renfrew, despite being reduced to 10 players with goals from trialist McQuillan, Wardlaw and Whiteford. City are at home to Motherwell tonight, Wednesday, and away to Rangers on Sunday, while Rossville head to East Fife on Sunday. That article was written by Brian Newell and read by me, Corey. Gaffer hopes defeat will be a learning experience. An article written by Brian Newell and read by me, Corey. Kirk and Tulloch Rob Roy boss Kevin McGoldrick hopes his side will learn from Saturday's 4-0 defeat away to Dorval in the WOS Premier Division. Rob Roy came into a game on the back of a four-match unbeaten run, having won 1-0 at Dorval in midweek, but were a poor second best to the East Ayrshire outfit at the weekend. McGoldrick told the club's media team, I'm so disappointed to be completely honest, because we've come into the game full of confidence and the pitch was as good as you'll see, whether that in senior football or junior football. I was excited coming into the game, but we were a poor second best. We are a young group who are going to make mistakes. This is a learning curve and sometimes this is how you learn. The guys are disappointed, but it is one defeat. We dust ourselves down for going away to Troon on Saturday, and hopefully get back to winning ways. Peters Hill won 3-2 home to Johnson Borough in the First Division in midweek, but their fourth match unbeaten also came to an end on Saturday, as they lost 5-1 away to Rutherglen Glencairn. Ashfield weren't in action on Saturday, but did play in midweek as they trounced Canvas Lang Rangers 7-0 away from home. Peter Seller at home to kill winning Rangers on Saturday, while Ashfield head to Renfrew. Caledonian Locomotives also suffered a 5-1 defeat as they lost away to St Anthony's in the 2nd Division. 
Glasgow Perthshire drew 1-1 away to Colsyth Rangers in the league in midweek, but were knocked out of the South Region Challenge Cup on Saturday as they lost 3-1 at home to BSC Glasgow in the first round. Both sides are away from home in the league on Saturday as Cali travel to Vale of Clyde, while Shire are at Wishaw. West Park United were idle at the weekend and will need to wait until this Saturday's visit of Vale of Leven in the 3rd Division to bounce back from the 4-1 defeat at home to Glasgow United in midweek. In the 4th Division, it is now four wins in a row for Rossville as they won 5-1 away to Noon Mearns United in midweek and then 2-1 at home to Easterhouse on Saturday. They will aim to keep the run going away to BSC Glasgow this Saturday. That article was written by Brian Yule and read by me, Corey. Tigers showed their ruthless streak. Glasgow Tigers recorded big wins both home and away as they faced Berwick Bandits in a doubleheader in the CAB Direct Championship. Tigers boss Cammy Brown was delighted with his side's ruthless performance as they won 63-27 at Ashfield on Friday. Both Chris Harris and Ben Basso delivered maximum scores while Lee Coplin produced his highest ever points total as a Tiger with paid 13. Brown said, We were definitely red hot. The boys looked right up for it and put in a powerhouse show. In fairness, Berwick had a tough night with some mechanical issues, but we showed a ruthless streak and I like that a lot. Tigers were without Harris the next night as they travelled to Berwick, but captain Tom Brennan was over the moon with his side's 53-36 victory. He said, Berwick is always a tough place to go, but we managed to get a grip on the meeting early on. I'm over the moon with the result. All the boys really got stuck in, and everyone did their bit. That's the most pleasing aspect about our team. So many riders can win races. Tigers were away to Plymouth Gladiators last night, Tuesday, and are at Pole Pirates tonight, Wednesday. Meanwhile, Graham Callender from Lindsay enjoyed success in his classic hot rod at Cowdenbeth Racewall on Saturday. He won the first heat at the canter before finishing runner-up in the second heat and then lifted his first Turner Trophy in the final. That concludes this week's edition of the Clifton Hills Herald podcast. Please remember to subscribe to our channels at Tune Review and to tell your friends about our service. 